Hi, this is Pastor David Elijah and we are New Millennium Kingdom Church. Today is Saturday, March the 20th, 2021. We are going to continue studying the book of Revelation. We have already finished 10 chapters and we are going to start chapter 11. So before we begin, let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, Lord, for this time of fellowship, this time of studying your word. Help us to understand your word. Help us to establish it in our lives. Help us to obey it and help us to be prepared for the days ahead. For the time is short and we are in the end of days. So help us, Father, to fully be obedient to you according to your will, according to your Holy Spirit, according to the seasons and the times we live in and help us to be fully obedient and ready for your return. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. We've already fin completed chapter 10, and now we're going to begin chapter 11. Let's read. Revelation 11, 1. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. So now John was given a reed like a stick, and he was told to measure the temple of God. This temple is not the temple in heaven. It's the temple on the earth. And the angel is instructing him to do certain things. So he's given this rod and he says, okay, measure it. This measurement is not just a physical measurement, but it's a measuring of the people of God, their lifestyles, their way they obey God. So it's symbolic of measuring the temple, but it's also symbolic of measuring people's lives, believers' lives as they have learned to obey God's word. So it's a measuring of individual, it's a measuring of the physical temple that's in Jerusalem that is to be built when the Antichrist will come and defile it. So this is talking about that temple that's in Jerusalem that will be built very soon. And so the angel is telling John to measure it. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. So it's talking about the Jewish people that would be in the temple and they are doing their ritual sacrifices. They're following the law of Moses. They're doing their, their belief system according to Judaism. And they are in the temple and they're worshiping there. And the angel is saying, measure the temple and those who worship there. Revelation 11.2 But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles. So the outer court is for the Gentiles. They will come and destroy the temple. They will be led by the Antichrist and they will come and they will invade Israel, They'll invade Jerusalem. And it's most probably the Muslim people that are surrounding the nation of Israel right now. Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, all these nations will rise up and they will come and they will overtake and overcome Israel and Jerusalem. So that outer court has been given to them to, to destroy it. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. So here you see the three and a half years that the Antichrist will establish his rule and he will lead the armies to come against Israel, come against Jerusalem. And they will come into Israel. They will overtake and overcome Israel. They will trample and tread upon the holy city, which is Jerusalem under their feet for 42 months. So they will have power and authority over Jerusalem for 42 months, three and a half years. So in another portion of scripture that we will see right now, in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, Jesus describes this attack. He shows you what will take place. So 11 verse 2 and Luke chapter 21, verse 20, describes this event. So it says in Luke 21, 20, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Verse 21, 
Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. Verse 22, For these are days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. So these are prophecies that have been written. It will come to pass. It is a future event, and all of Jerusalem will be overtaken, just like at the time of when Jesus was crucified, he was resurrected and he rose into heaven. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. So this is a new event that will happen in the future where the temple will be rebuilt and Antichrist will come into the city being followed by these massive armies of Gentiles. Muslims, the Chinese, the Russians, they'll come from all directions to attack Israel. And they will destroy the city. So Jesus is warning the people that are living in Jerusalem, in Israel, to get out. When you see the armies, take off. Run to the hills. Verse 23. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. Which people? The Jewish people. Because the church is not there. The church has already been raptured. Now the wrath of Antichrist is coming towards Israel, coming towards Jerusalem. And this people, the Jewish people, will suffer greatly because they rejected Messiah. They rejected Jesus as Lord and Savior. So now the days of vengeance have come. It has to be fulfilled as it has been already written. God already knew in advance that these people are a stubborn, rebellious, stiff-necked people. They will reject Jesus. They will crucify him. And now they will suffer the consequences of their rebellion against God, against His will. The Father had decided, He had planned for His Son to come upon the earth, to die for our sins, to die for humanity, to die for every race, every culture, every religion, including the Jewish people. There's only one covenant between God and man, and it's through Jesus and through His blood. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no other agreement, there's no other covenant between God and man. Since Jesus has come, there is nothing else established beyond that. And the Jewish people think, oh, we are the sons of Abraham and we will survive all of this and we will be fine because Jehovah will take care of us. And Jehovah is going to allow the armies of Antichrist to come and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the city, to destroy even the temple. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. Verse 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So God is saying very clearly that these things will happen. And we need to be aware that in the book of Revelation it describes this event again. It happened at the time of Jesus' resurrection, 70 years after his resurrection. The Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem and Israel. And all the Jewish people were taken captive, taken to across the nations. <clears throat> now in 1948, they came right back and reestablished Israel as a nation. A nation was born in a day, as the Bible has also prophesied. And they were established by God's will. And now again, according to God's will in the book of Revelation, these armies will come back to again trample the city for three and a half years or for 42 months. So a very clear timeline, very you know, exact and accurate timing of how God requires it according to his perfect will. Men think that they are in control and kings and rulers and presidents, they think they are in charge and they have the power, they have authority. But it is only according to God's power that they are given that authority. Nobody has power and authority unless it has been given to them by God. Even for wicked kings, even for the Antichrist, even for all the demons that will come out of Hades to attack men on the earth during the time of tribulation. All of them have been given authority and power by God Almighty. Satan doesn't have free will. He has to do exactly what God tells him to do. So the book of Revelation explains that very well. A lot of people are more afraid of Satan than of God. And you need to understand the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This book teaches you the healthy, reverential fear of God. To realize that God is in control of every event, 
everything that's orchestrated on the earth is by the will of God. Nothing is out of order. Nothing is out of the will of God. Everything happens according to His timeline, according to His purposes. Even individually, each person's life is overruled by God's will. Whether they like it or not, whether they are atheist and agnostic and, oh, I don't believe in God, or all of that, each individual has to give an account to God on the day of judgment. <clears throat> Revelation 11.3 And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So while these events are happening, God will send his two witnesses. They say these two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah because they have to come up on the earth to die a natural death and then become part of Jesus' eternal kingdom because they were taken up without tasting death. Enoch was translated into heaven without dying. Elijah the same way. He was alive and he was carried away into heaven in the chariots of fire. People say that, that looked most probably like a UFO. But these two were taken into heaven without dying, which is an amazing thing to happen. So that's why God has to send them back upon the earth to be his witnesses in the last days for all the wicked and all the evil people around for them to realize that these are God's messengers. These are the true prophets of God in the end times that will prophesy and they have power. Today's prophets don't resemble anything like this. These are real, true, genuine prophets. They have power. Today's fake prophets have no power. They're just blowing their horn. Even the apostles, so-called, just bunch of clowns out there. When you actually read how prophets of God operated and you compare them with the bunch of clowns that we have today in the church, it's, it's a disgusting uh, disparity that you see. It's an unbelievable contrast. And people are so deceived and so blinded by all these fake prophets and fake apostles running around and prophesying, and it's just a clown show. They're screaming at the COVID-19 and nothing's happening. Or they never even saw the COVID-19 show up. That's how you know all these bunches of people are fake. And why do we say that with such authority? It's because the Word of God says it very clearly. When God sends His prophets, they have power. You're talking about real power, not fake power, not some fake signs and wonders, not some lying signs and wonders. You have this one character tries to stretch out people's legs. He's got long hair and he looks like a clown and he's running around like a clown. He's disrespecting the word of God. He is misrepresenting the kingdom of heaven and he's just doing a trick to try to deceive gullible people. And that's all he does. Oh, look, I can stretch out people's legs. It's just a weird sense of display of some kind of special anointing or whatever. And it's just a joke. And that's all he can do. Stretch out somebody's leg. And that's really a trick. It's just a, it's like a magic show. There's no power involved. There's no biblical foundation for it. Because true prophets can raise the dead. True apostles can do mighty signs and wonders. So today's prophets and apostles are a joke. Revelation 11.3 <clears throat> And it describes the kind of power. That's why I'm saying you compare this power that God has given to His witnesses and you compare it to the people that are right now running around claiming they are prophets or they're claiming they are apostles. And you can see how fake and counterfeit it is. Revelation 11.3 And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. That's another sign. These prophets came with such power from God, but they were not dressed with a multi-million dollar, you know, approach. They came in sackcloth. Sackcloth is like burlap. It's like a very cheap material. They didn't come in fancy suits and flying a private jet and driving a, you know, Bentley. They came walking with flip-flops and as clothes made of sackcloth. That's how you know these are true prophets. They don't want to shine in front of you and, you know, put on a show. These are people that are mean serious business. And they're coming to cause destruction on the earth. They're coming to bring people to their knees in repentance. That's how you know these are true prophets. They're not coming here to give you word of the day. And, and, and this month of June, we have this word from the Lord. And every month they have a word from the Lord. Those are fake 
Revelation 11:4. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. God has power over heaven, over the earth, under the earth, and these are two olive trees and the two lampstands. These are very specifically called out as witnesses of God. Revelation 11:5. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. They're not here to play games or make you feel good. If they somebody tries to attack them or harm them, fire, literal fire comes out of their mouth and kills their enemies. That's how you know these are real prophets. These are not here to play games. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. And God is saying, look, when I send my prophets and they come against true prophets, I will kill these people. Today's prophets are throwing out prophecies out there and proven to be liars, and they're still lying on top of lies upon lies. You don't see them saying, you know what, if you come against me, I will kill you. They don't have that authority. They don't have that standing. They don't have that credibility. They're just barking like dogs on Christian television, and they have no power. These men that God has sent, they have power to kill humans. Like, oh, God is so serious. Yes, he is. He's a holy God. And he does not tolerate false prophets and fake apostles that are running around right now. And they are deceiving millions of people. Revelation 11.6 These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. What do you see people like Kenneth Copeland and all these jokers doing? Oh, I'm going to come against COVID-19. I'm a prophet of God, blah, blah, blah. He's such a caricature of the fake, false, and counterfeit prophet that's out there. He looks demonic. He looks evil. But people are deceived. They chase him like, oh, he's a true prophet of God. Really? He had no power to do nothing. And the, he claims, he's just one example. He claims, I have authority over the weather and I have authority over storms and blah, blah, blah. Both he and his wife, they will be judged so severely for making those kind of claims and lying to the church of God, lying to the bride of Christ. But here you see these two prophets of God sent by God with power, real power, that they can kill human beings. They can shut the heavens they can stop rainfall in the days of their prophecy. That means as they prophesy, they are proving that their prophecy is true by backing it up with real power. By showing that, yeah, we have come from God. We have power over the weather. We have power over the waters. And we have power over pandemics, plagues. This coronavirus was released by governments to, to kill half of humanity and then to kill the rest with a vaccine. But these prophets are saying, no, we will bring a real pandemic on you if you don't repent. Which human being has that kind of authority? Which prophet today has that kind of authority to release a pandemic into the world? None of them. From the top down. All of them. But you see them singing and dancing. You see Chuck Pierce and his bunch of dancers and musicians and jumping up and down, saying all kind of word salad prophecies which have no meaning. It has no power. It has no authority. It has no standing. It has nothing. But they keep throwing it out, throwing it out, dancing, wearing fancy shirts and just playing the role. It's just a, just a mimic of the real deal. This is the real deal. These prophets need to read Revelation 11.6 and then say, do I have this kind of authority from God? Do I have this kind of power from God? If I don't, I'm a false prophet. Look at these two. There's two of them. Two of them have power over the whole earth. That is real power. And then you see these clowns jumping up and down. I keep saying that they are clowns because they are such horrible deceivers. These have power. Who? These two that God has ordained. He has given them the credibility by giving them actual power. Real power. Power over the earth. That's when you know you, a prophet is a real prophet from God. Elijah came and stood on the mountain and said, I'm going to call down fire from heaven because Jehovah answers my prayers. 
And all the 850 false prophets were jumping up and down, singing, dancing, cutting themselves, playing the drums, playing the flute, playing the harp, doing everything under the sun, and they had no power. Mount Carmel is a very critical moment in the history of the church and the Bible. That one man stood against 850 false prophets and proved that he was from God and the rest were fake. These two will come and they will literally prove to the world that before these two, all the rest that came before them were all fake because they had no power. These two will prove what it looks like to be a real prophet of God in our times. When they show up on the earth, everybody will declare, even the wicked will acknowledge that these are real prophets. They have power to release pandemics on the earth, to shut the heavens, to stop rainfall, to turn the water to blood. That's what you talk about when you say true prophet of God. Let's read it again. Revelation 11, 6. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. Tell any of these fake prophets, go, go to some river, go to a pond. Start with a pond, little pond, little body of water and speak to that water and turn it to blood. They won't be able to do it. There's another crazy lady with the pink hair and the stick in her hand and she's always screaming at hurricanes and storms and she's, I'm a woman of God, I'm a prophetess and I see the face of God and blah, blah, blah. Tell her, take your stick, take your pink hair and go stand in front of a pond and declare to that pond that it, let it turn to blood. Or turn it into a pink color because your hair is pink. Turn the water into a pink color. They don't have authority. They don't have power. These are liars and deceivers, fake. They've never read the Bible. That's why they can just talk their head off and the rest of the people that believe these people also have not read the Bible. Why do we do these series of teachings? So that we can read the Bible verse by verse and really go deeper and dig into it and say, oh my goodness, these men have power. Let's read it again, Revelation 11:6. This verse is an indictment against all the fake prophetic movement on the earth today, across the planet, not just in this country. This country, my goodness, is a three-ring circus. They've never read this verse and they will not ever declare this. Tell Chuck Pierce to read this verse. Tell all these fake prophets to read this verse and say, can I match this level of authority? No, you can't. So then shut your mouth and sit down. Stop being a clown and stop dancing around and throwing words out which have no power, no authority, no credibility. Revelation 11.6 These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. And they're going to do it to prove that they are from God. They're not just going to talk about it. They're not, oh, let me prophesy against the waters. Let me prophesy against the storm. Let me prophesy against rainfall. And then nothing happens. That's what you see today as modern prophets. They're speaking a lot of talk. It's just talk. There's no power backing it up. No power at all. They have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth. They're not just saying, oh, I'm going to strike a little pond here. I'm going to strike a little piece of uh, land over there. No, they're going to strike the earth with all plagues. This is a very powerful verse. Revelation 11:6. every fake prophet should read this and realize that they have nothing from God. They have no power. They have no authority. They have no credibility. They are just counterfeit. They are part of the warning Jesus gave in the last days. He says, many will come in my name and they will proclaim themselves to be messiahs and I am the Christ and I have anointing and I am the prophet of God and I'm this and I'm prophetess and I have a word of this month, the word for November, the word for January, the word for February. These clowns are running around every month. They have a word, but they have nothing to back it up. No power, no authority, no display of raw power from God. God is almighty. He's not weak. And, you know, these fake prophets and apostles give God a bad name by proving, oh, God is so weak and he's anemic and he can't do nothing. Look, we are saying stuff and nothing is happening. So God is weak. It's not my fault. It's God's fault. It's not my fault. It's Trump's fault. It's not my fault. Now that's what they're doing, this new dance now. Every fake prophet that lied 
and got caught lying. Now they're saying, oh, if Trump would have done what he's supposed to do, this would not happen. If God had not allowed it, this would not happen. Now they're blaming God and they're blaming Trump. But they are such cowards and hypocrites, they will not take responsibility for their lies and deception. Because they know they are fake. But they do not have the courage to stand up. They have no moral fiber. They have no backbone to stand up and say, you know what, I'm wrong, I'm a false prophet. None of them have done that. They're still backing it up by saying, no, no, we are, we are telling the truth, but it's God's fault. Oh no, we prophesy correctly, but it's Trump's fault. This is the nonsense that's going on right now. They have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. They're not even asking God's permission. They're saying, according to my desire, I'm going to strike the earth with all kinds of plagues. What kind of authority is that? That God says, go for it. I give you a free range to do whatever you want. Go for it. In my name, in my authority, go and strike the earth with all plagues as often as you desire. That's the kind of instruction that God has given to these two witnesses. They represent God. They represent the authority of God. They represent the kingdom of God. They represent Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And no demon in hell can come against them. No enemy can come against them because if they try, they get burned with fire and killed. They have authority to kill people that are coming against them. And they have authority to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. And they're going to prove it by doing it. They're going to strike this earth multiple times. Why would they do that? To bring wicked people to repentance. That's why they're doing it. And they're doing it as often as they desire. Not because they choose to or they like it. They're saying, okay, let's strike the earth one time with a plague or with a pandemic. Oh, people are still wicked. They're still rebellious. They're not listening. Okay, let's do it again. That's why they desire to bring people to repentance. They don't desire to harm people just because they're enjoying the power. They're doing it because we need to bring the rest of the world's population to their knees through these pandemics, through the water turning to blood, through the stopping of rainfall, through killing their enemies who are trying to attack them with fire. That's what a real prophet looks like. Revelation 11, 7. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them. So now God has given them a specific timeline, 42 months, three and a half years. And then what happens? The abyss is opened. The beast comes out of the abyss to come against these two prophets of God. Literally, you need a beast from under the earth to come against these two men human beings that are being now attacked by a supernatural creature that God has created. All this is like an amazing scene out of a you know, blockbuster movie. It's nothing compared to the reality of what people will see these things happen in front of their own eyes. So when they finish their testimony, that means it's in God's timing. It's not out of you know, the will of Satan or the beast to do whatever he feels like doing. No, when they have finished their testimony, now God decides, yes, your job is done. You will be killed because that's what you need to do to die and then come into the kingdom of Jesus, the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ to have resurrection for their bodies to be raised from the dead. So God allows the beast to kill them by God's will. So when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, this beast is Abaddon or Apollyon in Greek. And he's the god of destruction, the god of chaos. He's coming out with the army of demon-looking ugly creatures that they described in the book of Revelation what they look like. And we've covered that in the past. And they, he will come out of the bottomless pit, will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So his, God's will is for the beast to come and kill these two prophets who belong to God. And God wills it that they die at the hands of the beast. No human can kill them. No demon can kill them. No 
created creature or angel can come and kill them, but the beast will rise up and he will be allowed, he will be given authority and power to kill these two that had authority and power from God. This is a power move from both sides. And it's to display the power of God and it's for the glory of God. Revelation 11, 8 And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. So it's talking about Jerusalem. Jerusalem is called Sodom and Egypt. Spiritually, Jerusalem is a dead city. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a lot of homosexuals in, in Tel Aviv and there's a lot of homosexuality in, in, in Israel right now. So it's compared to Sodom. Sodom was an ugly, evil city. And Jerusalem is compared to Sodom and Egypt. Egypt represented Pharaoh and the, the gods of Egypt and just, you know, idol worship and the worship of demons. And now Jerusalem res represents that. Because they turned their back on God, because they turned their back on Jesus, the whole city of Jerusalem has turned into Sodom. It's turned into Egypt. It represents idol worship and demon worship and, and evil and homosexuality. So their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So it's very specifically saying, look, outside of Jerusalem, Jesus was crucified. Our Lord was crucified outside of Jerusalem. And this city is like Sodom in God's eyes. It's like Egypt in God's eyes. Because a stubborn, rebellious Jewish nation has turned their back on Jesus. And they're just still trying to do Judaism and they're still trying to follow the law of Moses and they're in direct rebellion and disobedience to God the Father. Yes, he gave the law through Moses, but grace and truth came through our Lord Jesus Christ. But they rejected grace and truth they went ahead and crucified him. Now they're suffering the consequences. The crime was committed 2,000 years ago. They are going to pay. Their children's children are going to suffer the consequences of that crucifixion. And everybody loves Jerusalem and everybody's worshipping there and the temple is there and everything. And God says, they look like Sodom to me. They look like Egypt. They will be destroyed. These two witnesses will stand there and what do you think they're going to prophesy? The destruction of Jerusalem. They're going to prophesy the destruction of Judaism and the Jewish nation. Revelation 11, 9. And they're going to proclaim the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, over Jerusalem, over Israel. And in that time, whoever has to be saved, according to God's will and predestined and foreknowledge, they will be saved. They will accept the testimony of these two prophets. They are the two evangelists that God is sending to Jerusalem, to Israel, for His people to be saved. Revelation 11.9 Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. So you see the wickedness of these people. Peoples from all people's tribes, tongues, and nations. That means it will be a worldwide television broadcast that people will watch on their TV screens and they see dead bodies lying in the streets of Jerusalem. Dead. And just lying there, a disrespect for the dead body. In Israel, when a body dies, they have to immediately bury that body within 24 hours or whatever that timeline, according to the Judaic laws, because they don't want the body to rot. So they go ahead and bury it. But here they're saying, no, they're going to leave the two dead bodies lying there for three and a half days as an insult against God, as a rebellion against God's prophets. They're going to mock those two dead bodies like, oh yeah, they were prophesying and they harmed us and they put plagues on us and pandemics on us. We are so glad that they died. They will rejoice. They will have a party like, oh yeah, these two prophets died. Good for them. Now we are free from their horrible prophecies and their pandemics and they, they poisoned our waters and everything. And nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. That means they will stop. Somebody will go ahead to try to take the bodies and bury it. And the mobs will come and say, no, 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 leave the bodies there. Let them rot on the streets. That's our way of mocking God. That's our way of disrespecting these two prophets that came to bring repentance to the earth. And they're like, no, we don't want them to be buried. We want them to lie there 
as a curse against God, as an insult against God, mocking God, openly rebelling against God, not respecting the two prophets who prophesied with power and authority and amazing display of the power of God to the nations and they didn't want to hear it. And once they died, they were happy that they died. And now they are mocking God and saying, let those bodies remain on the streets as a disrespect against God and his prophets. Revelation 11.10 And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. So now they are partying and saying, yay, these two died, great. We didn't want to hear them anymore. Today's through servants of God, when they preach the gospel, we have the same audience. Like, oh, don't tell me about Jesus. And when you you are kicked out of the group and kicked out of the party and kicked out of the circle of friends and whatever, and you leave, they rejoice. They're happy that you're gone. They're like, oh, that person is so religious. Oh, she's so such a fanatic. Oh, she's always talking about Jesus. Oh, he's always mentioning the word of God. And we don't like these guys. And they shouldn't come to our party. And we shouldn't invite them to our homes. And let's hang out with the wicked. And let's hang out with those who gossip and and lie and deceive and cheat and manipulate. And that's my audience. That's my crowd. I love to be around the wicked. But oh, those prophets and not prophets, but those preachers and those pastors and those people of God and those missionaries, and we hate them. Get rid of them. They ruin the party and they're party poopers and all of that. And these people are rejoicing. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry and send gifts to one another. I mean, it's like a Christmas for them, but it's a wicked form of Christmas. Like, hey, let's party. These two prophets are killed by the beast. Great. Let's party and give each other gifts and let's go to the shopping mall and buy nice presents for my friends and my buddies and my family members. And that's what's going on. Why? Why are they doing that? Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. See how fake prophets will make you feel good? And these prophets came to torment those who dwell on the earth. A true prophet will make you cry. A true prophet will make you repent of your sins. That's why I call these people clowns. Because all they're doing is entertaining you and making you feel good while they're banging on the drums and blowing the shofar and running around with flags and doing a prophetic dance and prophetic art. And it's all entertainment. It's all a show. It's all BS. And here you see they are rejoicing because these are the genuine, real prophets of God. And they came to make the earth suffer. A holy torment, not a bad torment, but a torment to make them repent, to get on their knees, to cry out to God. But no, they didn't want that. They had a party because they got killed. And so you know what? It's good they died. Let's have a party. Let's enjoy life so that these prophets are dead and we are happy campers now. We can go back to living our wicked lifestyle. We see that today. We confront people in their wickedness and they walk away from us and say, oh no, I want to go back to my wicked lifestyle. Don't tell me about God and Bible and repentance and obedience and baptism and oh, I don't need all of that. I'm not religious. I'm a good person. You see all these wicked people running around doing whatever they want, complete lawlessness. And they hate our guts because we tell them the truth. Cut and dry. We don't play around. And they don't like it. Why they don't like it? Because they don't want to obey. They don't want to walk with God. They don't want God. They just want to have a good time, party, enjoy, drink, womanize, sleep around, and say, yeah, that's my life, and don't tell me what to do and what not to do. I'm, I'm a free person. I can do whatever I feel like doing. Yeah. And then you wait for these two prophets to show up and torment you. Revelation 11, 11. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. Think about it. Three and a half days, the body's already rotting. There are corpses on the street in the hot sun. You think the bodies are going to remain in a good shape? Their body's already bloated. It's already putrefying. It's already decomposing and everything. And God says, I'm going to breathe into these dead bodies, decomposed bodies, stinking bodies. The bodies that are rotting on the street, the flesh is decomposed and everything. And God takes that rotten mess on the street and reanimates them, makes them come alive with the breath of life from God. 
We are given that promise today. We are dead in sin. And Jesus comes to us and he breathes his life into us and we become alive in God. We are born again of the Spirit of God through the blood of Jesus, through his cross, through his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions, our disobedience, our rebellion, our lawlessness, our wickedness. All we have to do is acknowledge, not to be a hypocrite, but to say, yes, Lord, we are a wreck. We are those dying, dead, decomposed bodies lying on the street like dead. And you come and raise us up to life. That's what every dead person looks to God. He looks at humanity and he sees dead corpses. He looks at zombies walking around. He says, they need my spirit. They need the life of God, the breath of life from God to enter into them. If you don't have the spirit of God enter into you, you're a zombie. You're a dead man walking. You're a dead woman walking. Even children, even the cutest ones or the sweetest ones and the most funny ones, they're still dead in Christ till they are born of the Spirit, till they are born of God. And here you see an example of how God reanimates and brings back to life, resurrects two dead decomposed bodies. Just like Jesus did with Lazarus, three days, four days in the tomb, and Jesus called him out, come forth Lazarus. And here God the Father is saying, let me raise the two back to life. Enoch and Elijah, get up, rise up. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. So again, God is showing and displaying his power. I have life. I have power over life and death. You kill my prophets, the beast came and killed my prophets. Doesn't matter. I'm going to prove to this world that even though the beast came and killed them, I'm going to raise them back from the dead. They thought, oh, they're dead and we have got rid of them and we are happy and we're enjoying and we're having a party. And now God ruins their party by raising them from the dead. And now fear comes. Now the fear of God has come. This event had to happen to bring the fear of God into the hearts of these people. Wicked as hell parting over two dead prophets. And God says, yeah, let me show you what I can do now. That you think you can get away with it? You cannot. You think the beast came and killed my prophets? Yeah, he was given that authority for a couple of days. And now I'm going to prove that I have power over the beast. I have power over death. I have power over all of you wicked people. And you better have fear of the living God. Revelation eleven twelve, And they heard a, a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. So now God is saying, I'm done with these wicked people. Now he's telling his true prophets, his two prophets, his two servants, come on, let's get out of here. I raised you from the dead. You were dead, lying on the street, disrespected, dishonored, just treated like trash. Your bodies are rotting on the ground in the hot sun. Now I've raised you back from the dead, brand new, with baby skin. And all their organs, fine. Their heart pumping and their brain working. Everything, their bodies have become resurrected bodies now. And now God says, come on. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. Now you don't belong amongst those wicked. Come up with me. You belong with me. You are my prophets. Come back to me. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead? He ascended into heaven in a cloud. And their enemies saw them. Their enemies saw them because they didn't agree with them. They hated them. They partied when they had died. They are the enemies of the prophets. They are enemies of God. But God allowed them to see it. Say, watch, I'm going to take my servants up into heaven in a cloud and you will get to see that event because that's the indictment against you. That's against you and your wickedness. Revelation eleven thirteen, In the same hour, there was a great earthquake. Remember, even at the time of Jesus, when he died, there was a great earthquake. So God shakes the earth to wake up the people. So in the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. So literally, God shakes Jerusalem and a tenth of the city, all their buildings collapsed and a lot of damage was done. 
In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. They are living right now in Israel in a fancy skyscrapers and fancy homes, and they're living in their luxurious lifestyle. Their name has been written down that they are one of the 7,000 that will die in this earthquake. Their buildings will collapse. 7,000 people were killed. These are wicked people. They have to die. And the rest were afraid. And see what happens? And gave glory to the God of heaven. Now they come to their senses. People have to die. You know, two prophets have to die and then be raised from the dead. All these things have to happen. An earthquake has to happen. Skyscrapers have to collapse. 7,000 people have to die. Now they are saying, oh, let's give glory to the God of heaven. See how wicked people are. In today's times, you go in the midst of a pandemic and tell them about Jesus. They're still rejecting. They're still refusing. They're still pushing back. Oh, no, don't tell me about God. What will it take for a wicked nation, for a wicked society to repent? These kind of cataclysmic events have to happen for them to finally decide to give glory to the God of heaven. We live in a society like that. We are surrounded by people like that. Revelation eleven fourteen, The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So now you see God is just hitting this earth. Torment after torment. Woe after woe. Disaster after disaster. Evil upon evil. But he's doing it so that people would repent. He doesn't want that the wicked die and go to hell. He created humanity. They, even they are the children that God created. He created every creature. Everything in creation is made by God. So he does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. So he's doing all of this to show his heart for humanity. Even wicked humanity. He says, I will welcome you into heaven. I will welcome you with open arms. Just repent. Don't be hypocrites. Stop your wicked lifestyle. And God will forgive even in this time. All these events are happening so that people would repent. The wicked would repent. Repent doesn't mean just cry and say, forgive me, Lord. No, repent means to turn to God. Completely making a change of heart, change of mind, turning away from evil and coming towards God. That's repentance. To come completely, turn around from your wicked, lawless ways and come to God. Turn away from your narcissism and your vanity and your arrogance and your pride and your pompous attitude and humble yourself before the God of heaven. So all these are coming to crush humanity, to break their pride, to break their rebellion, to break all of their garbage lifestyle. Those days are coming. We are very close to those days. We must be prepared for those days. All these teachings and broadcasts for that day. Get ready for those days. And before those days come upon you, before evil comes upon you, before God unleashes His wrath upon the earth, now is the time to repent. Now is the time to humble yourself. Now is the time to give up your wicked lifestyle. Today is the day of salvation. If you're listening right now and saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm done with my old life. I'm done with my wicked ways. I need to come to God. If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you say, Lord, come. I receive you, Lord. I accept you, Lord. Embrace me with your love. God is a forgiving, generous, compassionate, just amazing. God's grace is amazing. And it's free. He doesn't charge you. It doesn't cost you anything to come to Jesus. You must be the one willing to give up your will to God. It's a surrender of your will. That's what it takes. To say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my life. Jesus himself did that. The Son of God did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. How much more we need to step up and say, Here, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Take me as I am in all my wretchedness, in my wickedness, in my evil ways, with all my sinful condition, all my iniquity, all my sexual sin, all the garbage inside, my corrupt heart, my hatred, resentment, bitterness, anger, all of that. We are so many of us corrupted mess. And God says, just come. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All of it. God's will is for you to be saved. To be released from the burden of sin. To be set free from death to life. 
from eternal damnation to salvation. That's why God does all these things in the book of Revelation to bring his people back to himself with love, with grace, with forgiveness. But we must be the one to say, yes, Lord, I'm coming back to you. That's all it takes, free will, man's free will. That's why there's a day of judgment. You will have to give an account to God. The day he calls you up before his throne, what answer will you give? Will you come willingly or will you come under the pressure of the great tribulation? It's your choice. It's better to come before those times so that you will not be tested like the rest of the world. We must pray in that manner. Lord, please, I don't want to be tested like the rest of the world. Help me, Lord. Save me. I need you, Lord, more than ever. So come into that place of surrender to the living God. God is gracious. He's kind. He's merciful. He's loving. He's all-embracing. Every race, every color, every you know, society, wherever, on the face of the earth. So as we study this book, it is to bring us to repentance. It's to bring us back to God. Even backslidden Christians, those who are living a double life and doing, you know, multiple things and thinking, I'm a Christian and I'm... No. Clean up your life. Don't play this hypocritical game. God knows everything about you. You can't hide anything. No secret sin is hidden from God. Don't try to lie and deceive and manipulate and cheat and say, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. The Bible says no liar will inherit the kingdom of God. So all of us must come to the obedience of complete truth and reject lies, reject deception, reject evil, reject the messengers of Satan, reject liars and deceivers and manipulators and hypocrites and narcissists. That's not your audience. That's not your crowd. Don't be hanging out with people like that. They are a disgrace in God's eyes. But we must comply with what God has asked us to do. We must be in obedience to His commands, His will. The hypocrites want you to do what they want to do. You're not subject to them. You're not bound to them. There is no entanglement with these kind of people. You need to cut your ties with people like that. You have no business being around people like that. They will just drag you down with their baggage and their garbage. You need to rise above all of that and say, Lord, I want to be with you. Even if I'm the only one on the earth but the whole world rejects me. That's what these two witnesses did. They were two against the whole world. But they proved that they were of God. Today is your test. Are you going to stand with God? Or are you going to stand with the wicked in this wicked world? It's a choice you have to make. So read this. Watch this again. And understand that God is the one who is waiting and watching to see what is your response. It's on you. Don't play the blame game. Don't play the victim. Don't have some pity party. Don't have some sad story to tell. Get over all of that and stand straight before God and say, yes, Lord, here I am. No excuses, no dramas, no sad, you know, nonsense. None of that. No dramas. Just standing straight before God and saying, here I am, Lord. Take me as I am. And God will receive you. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't condemn you. He just willingly comes and he embraces you with his open arms. Always. That's always his approach to his people, his children. He loves all of us. And we must come and embrace it. We must come and receive it. We must come and say, I want to be a part of it. So, like this video. Leave your comments. Leave your prayer requests. We will follow up with you. And be ready. Be prepared for his return. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.